just a shadow death. I take a look at my life and realize that there's nothing left. Cause I've been laughing and laughing so long. My mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man who did deserve it. He be treated like a punk, you know. It's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Well, you when you told me my blind shot. I really hate the trip, but I got to go. At the room, I see myself in the pistol, so screw job. The kind of G that all the homies wanna be like. On my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street lights. Been spending most their life living in gangster paradise. Been spending most their life living in gangster paradise. Got the situation, got me facing. I can never know my life. I was raised by the shit. I gotta be down with the hood team. Too much television, watch you got me chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Got the tin in my hand, the gleam in my eye. I'm a low down road, sack tripping banger. And my homies are rats, throwing around the anger fool. If ain't nothing but a heartbeat away, I'm living life to a guy. What can I say? I'm 23. Will I live to ever see 24? The way things going, I don't know. Tell me why are we so blind to see that the ones we heard are you and me? They have been spending most their life living gangsters paradise. Been spending most their lives living in the gangsters paradise. The situation they got me facing, I can never know my life. I was raised by the shit. With the hood team, too much television. Watch you got me chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool, money on my mind. Got the tin in my hand and the gleam in my eye. No down on the set, back. And my homies are mad, still don't arrive. I ain't got food. It ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life to a guy. What can I say? I'm 23. Well, I live to see 24 the way things are going, I don't know. Tell me why are we so blind to see that the ones we have, you and me. Power and the money, money and the power, minute after minute, hour after hour, everybody's looking. Well, I don't even know what's going on in the kitchen Cause I don't know what's cooking, girl I say I got to learn, but nobody's here to teach me They can't understand it How can they teach me? I guess they can't I guess they won't I guess they That's why I know my life is down to luck, fool Been spending most of their lives Living in the gangster's paradise Been spending most of their lives in the gangster's paradise I started living for the living for the lies Gangster's paradise Oh yeah Oh no Oh no Oh no, oh no, oh no, no. Mm-hmm. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum.
Oh, I know, James. I know. <laughs> I definitely know. It sounds like we're having a conversation, like it was just one second. <laughs> um, that was the rather wonderful James Morrison doing his rendition of Gangster's Paradise. And we hope this is a paradise for you as you listen to Mentally Sound <coughs> right here on Spice FM 98.8. Do you think his friends get to call him Jim, as in Jim Morrison? <laughs> yeah, it's a little, like, nice little segue, nice yeah. little, like, passing reference. Maybe. <coughs> Maybe. Um, I always think when someone says Jim, it always, it always sends me to Star Trek because yeah. there's a whole Eddie Izzard routine where, um, because Jim was James Kirk, but yeah. Jim, uh, the doctor, um, the the doctor always called him Jim. Right. And it was great because no, whenever somebody died in this <laughs> series, he used to go, he's dead, Jim. And he's like, yeah. what's happened to him? He's dead, Jim. Like, right. Constantly, like, he's dead. Look, he's dead. Look, he's not moving. Like, And um, he's the only person who could call him Jim because they were best mm. friends. So, like, um... Yeah, so Jim reminds me of our Irish gardener who we've known for like decades. Oh wow! And he's recently had a, a heart operation. He's done really well out of it. So mm-hmm. he's, he's <laughs> gone out to you, Jim. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like the the <coughs> the the cool thing about that, um, I guess what we're referring to, what we're referring to with James is a very common name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there you go. Um, Jammy. There was a James at school. We nicknamed Jammy. Jammy. Did, did you ever know him, Jammy? Like, like. Well, Jammy, Jammy means like luck. Yeah. Mean, a Jammy person. But yeah. I knew Jammy before it meant luck, as in like a nickname for James. So. That's a little. That's a little um, learning lesson for anyone who's not listening from Newcastle. That Jammy means. Yeah. Uh, that's a colloquialism. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I would. It's guess. not just a popular type of um, biscuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jammy Dodger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send us some free ones, please. <laughs> <laughs> We've mentioned you on there, on it. Um, but yeah. So. Um, huge welcome to everybody. This is Mentally Sound. We do this every fortnight. Um, so this is the last show in October. Um, so we're here at 12 till 2 p.m. So we're going to be here for the next two hours talking about all things mental health. Um, the reason we say that right at the beginning is if this is your first time listening, which is entirely possible. Um, we talk about mental health um, subjects, not all the time. You know, as you see, it's a little bit banter back and forth. Um, it's just an open, honest show. Um, it leaves no stone unturned, basically, and we always put a disclaimer at the beginning because, you know, if someone then listens to this and goes, well, you never warned me that we we're going to talk about, like, for example, suicide or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, mental health issues or psychiatric wards or whatever, whatever, or bipolar disorder or PTSD, um, all that sort of stuff is quite common on our shows, so that's why we put a disclaimer <coughs> right at the front. Um, just to let people know that these subject matters are not done in a taboo way or discriminatory way. They're done in mm-hmm. an open, frank discussion, and that's mm-hmm. essentially what Mentally Sound mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, we also want to let people know that if you want to do, you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at, at underscore Mentally Sound on the tweets. I have it up uh, ready if anyone uh, on the computer, if anyone, anyone uh, wants to ask us a question or any of our guests, which I'm going to run through now because we've got a packed show as always. Um, huge kudos to Ricky, and I actually did a little bit of booking, the, did, uh, yeah. booking this time, which I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm like contributing, contributing Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> it all feels good. Um, but yeah, so um, to run through the guests, at 12.30 we have Lynn Renwick, who is from Children's North East, and the reason that we booked her is because we talked to Children's North East at World Mental Health Day, which mm-hmm. we 
did a lot of um, audio for for the last show yeah. that we did two weeks ago, um, and that was really really fun. So we talked through them, and uh, Lynn, who is the Young People Service Manager for Children's North East, she's going to be here at twelve thirty, alive in the studio. And then we have Joe Douglas, which is a, I'm hugely um, looking forward to this. Um, he's the director of Clear White Light, which is cur- cur- is he currently playing at the Live Theatre? I think if I believe it's just started. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the Live Theatre. It's a classic Gothic story with a modern twist about the background of cuts to the NHS, which is inspired by um, Lindisfarne musician Al Hull's time working at St. Mm-hmm. Nick's, mm-hmm. which sounds fantastic. I don't know anything about it, so I'm um, I'm, I'm look, really looking forward to talking to him. He's coming exactly on the hour, about one o'clock, so we're going to move around mental health news, mm-hmm. which is often happens on this show, because mm-hmm. we don't, you know, whatever the guests can do is really what we um, what we like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we like to adhere to our guests, obviously, because it's yeah. a very guest-oriented yeah. show. Um, and then about about one, th- oh, actually, um, well, I'll mention all the um, phone interviews and whatnot um, as well, because we then have Mark Newsom, who is a one-man one stand-up performer um, with Blackpool, can't say, uh, <laughs> what, what a beep place to die, yeah. um, a stage retelling of his, uh, his suicide attempt at Blackpool, bit, uh, Blackpool Beach, which he was saved by a phone call from his best friend, which mm-hmm. is um, quite common in suicide, I mean, suicide is something we talk about on this show yeah. a lot, um, so I'm really excited for him to be honest and upfront about that and obviously as I said we're going to be careful because the name of his uh, <coughs> retelling he only, uh, he, I, I managed to talk to him on Twitter yesterday and he, he agreed yesterday to come on today so thanks very much Mark no absolutely that, yeah. yeah and uh, another thing that I wanted to do which I'll talk about when we play it and I'm thinking we'll do the, play this around about quarter to one um, so towards the end of the first hour is I have a section of the podcast that I do because this is something I've wanted to talk about for a while and I had a guest on who I thought was entirely appropriate for this subject matter because he runs a board game company in the UK and this came up in a podcast that I've just released uh, my podcast is called Geek Apocalypse and uh, we'll talk about this when the pre-records does because I mentioned it towards the end but um in this discussion that's uh, now live um, on that podcast that you can listen to, there was a section of about 15 minutes long where we talked about mental health um, in relation to board games, helping, which is something I profoundly talk about. I mean, I've talked about this and a lot on, on my podcast and a little bit on here. And so I asked Lawrence O'Brien, who's the guy, who was my guest, uh, who runs Wooten Games, about whether he thinks, um, whether he thinks, that is a thing, as well as um, why procrastinating is important for mental health, um, or, or how people term it as procrastination. But essentially, all I'm saying is, is that using a different part of your brain and relaxing and forgetting about the world for a little bit. Did um, you manage to discuss the? Because we mentioned mental health news, the, about yes. the World Health Organization about gaming being a mental health. Is no, I, I I was going to <coughs> talk about that, but um, we got onto something else. But. Um, what I, what I thought was also interesting is he made an argument, which is why um, um, it's part of this discussion as well that we'll play a quarter to, is about board games being a benefit in school for just general well-being and also to encourage, um, you know, you learn core skills mm-hmm. through the act of, like, you know, playing a board game where you might need to do a little bit of arithmetic and then what, why sit a kid down and just get them to end? Am I assuming then you if, if you maybe had the chance to put that question across the yeah. Maybe. He would probably then disagree with it. Yes. Yeah, what, what he's what referring to is that um, a while ago we discussed on Mental Health News that there is such a thing as gaming addiction yeah. now. It's become a world <coughs> health uh, thing. And like per usual, I mean, 
What I would say in answer to that, we did impliedly answer that. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is that um, we did sort of say it's all down to um, everything can be kind of a positive thing for someone in their life if it's all about how much you do something um, so if you do it too much then it's a problem you well know, that's always the default argument to any, yeah. any discussion like this like too much of anything can be yeah. bad so because yeah. I mean like um, if you're a person who who like if you're a person who drinks too much uh, for example and you can't stop doing that mm -hmm. then that is a problem because it affects all aspects yeah. of your life mm -hmm. whereas if you can have just a couple of drinks and you can choose mm -hmm. to leave it alone mm -hmm. um, but that, that there is no harm in, in having a, a couple of drinks whenever you feel yeah. like it um, I'm quite uh, liberal in that sense mm -hmm. in my approach to that um, mm -hmm. it's just when it becomes too much like yeah. gaming is if you are if you have a child which mm -hmm. I'm in I'm, I'm close to getting, mm -hmm. and I choose to game over looking after that child, then gaming is an issue, or is in my yeah, decision yeah, yeah, yeah. to do gaming is an issue. Yeah. And another thing that's kind of... When it erodes into the priorities yes. of your life, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 You avoid responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas the Lawrence talk, which I'll not talk too much about <coughs> it because you'll hear it a quarter yeah. or two, is just basically how setting aside your angst and your anxiety and your responsibilities in life and then going to do something quite trivial and essentially irrelevant because games you know are wonderful and i enjoy playing them immensely but they they don't have a they don't have an ultimate goal or an ultimate ultimate meaning you know being with your friends and social i actually miss you know. gaming I, I was a big gamer in my youth yeah. you know i it was the first thing one of the first things i did when i used to come home from school because it was released but i've not i've not really done it for ages because yeah. uh, and it's something I would be interested in too. So, which is why you'd be the ideal person to talk about that some stage. Yeah, so, so a quarter to, I will play that exact interview. It's about yeah. 13 and a half minutes long, and it's just a good section, and I've kind of condensed it down. Um, and I'll so be including yeah. the podcast as well. Yes, yeah, so the idea is, I see at the end, you can listen to the whole thing um, yeah. by, by listening to Geek Apocalypse, because it's out, it came out today, so, yeah. um, so it's a nice little tie-in if you want to hear more of that conversation. So we're going to play that a quarter to, and we're just waiting for Lynn Renwick to get here at half 12. But in the meantime, so this is kind of nice, because we actually have an opportunity to catch up which is rare on the show <laughs> is how are you feeling mr ricky today i'm all right i'm good yeah um i've had uh, and i've and i've and i've sort of let uh, the close ones know about this but i'm not really i mean last year when we did the world mental health day special um you know i was okay then but but before then and after then i've not really had a great time um i've uh, well first of all i had, I had, a, <coughs> I had a touch of flu um, but on the mental health level, yeah, the anxiety aspect has kind of gotten the better of me at, on, on, some, on, on a lot of days. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so that's gotten me down, and, and it, it, to the extent where I've had to sort of cancel or postpone a lot of meetings and um, appointments, which, you know, I was due to go to. Yep. Now, on the one hand, um, it, it's weird because on the one hand, I felt kind of empowered to, to do, make that decision. Um, because I think self-care is important, and yes. you know, if you don't feel up to it, you know, there's nothing wrong in, 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 you know, feeling that you can't go through with it and just postpone it for now. And there'll be another time, and it's nice to think there's another time. Um, and yeah, but on the other hand, as well, of course, you do feel sad afterwards that you miss that, miss out on these things. But such is the dilemma of mental health. You know, self-care, you know, is another one of the strong issues we talk about on, mm. on the show. Uh, and Absolutely. Yeah, and and the, and, the, and you know, I feel. While the shame is there, I do my best not to feel that shame that, you know, I've, I've deliberately taken time out to say, you know, I really can't deal with this, so I'm going to, you know, use this time wisely and, 
and use it as a way of like you know getting back to to good health. And um, mm. I was a bit precarious about this week because a lot of this week I was feeling that way. But fortunately, yesterday and today I, I'm all right. And I think you know I have to pay homage to this show and and, and you know your, your good self, you know your company that that it's something I look forward to and it gives me that that motivation to. Oh, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I actually jokes. did do the motion there, and you can't see it, but I just did the whole, oh, I don't worry about it. <laughs> only, only there was a webcam. Yeah. I know, yeah. Um, and I was just such, like, I'm totally, like, you know, on, like, uh, The Simpsons or something. I'm like, no, yeah. don't mention it. But, yeah, no, um, I'm actually, the serious side of that, I'm, you know, thank you for saying that, because um, it's powerful, but it's powerful, but also it is something I've been thinking about the last couple of days, because I'm willing to share this as an example um, and also what I was thinking about on the way here because that act actually rather freakishly ties in with exactly what I was thinking about on the way here um, so if, to give you an example of mm-hmm. self-care because I think that that is such an important issue and I think we should talk about that more maybe do some sort of complicated segment about it in the future because mm-hmm. it is I think the key issue with anyone with any form of mental health or not feeling quite right mm-hmm. is the, 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 the feeling of not want, not dealing with it because and, I, and you said shame I mean I often say guilt but it's very similar yeah, yeah. Um, you know because it, it can be both it can be both yeah, really yeah, I would have um, guilt on another yeah. easily yeah because so the example I want to give you is a couple of days ago I woke up and I don't know whether or not it was mental health related or just feeling a little bit run down or something because that's what um, my partner thought it was Mm -hmm. but I just was struggling really struggling Um, I I kept like getting up and felt very like I felt lightheaded Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I just couldn't deal with anything Um, and I mean that happens every now and again but sometimes I can feel it coming but I just didn't feel prepared for it Mm -hmm. Um, so I spent a lot of time just sleeping um, maybe it was just I was sleep deprived. It could have been that, um, you know, because it, it, you know, was the weather's been weird and whatnot, and it's been windy and whatnot, and I'm not a great sleeper. So maybe it was maybe a combination of all that. But the reason I wanted to mention that is I did, I, I was very irritable when I got up, but also it is that 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 ultimately made me feel better the next day, and I think that was what I needed at the time. And my partner very nicely kept saying that to me, but I felt unbelievable guilt about it, mm-hmm. and that is that is you the do. one thing I say, <laughs> even though I I I, I said this to my partner the other day, like I I feel like I should commend myself in the sense of. I mean, I know I've went through hell to get there and I've not been nice to people in certain periods of my life. I'm willing to admit that. But I'm just saying that the fact that I've put the effort in to get to the stage I am now where my disorder doesn't essentially, like, kill me mm-hmm. um, or at least ruin my life um, maybe is the better way of saying it. It's interesting because, you know, if you know, had we broken a leg or an arm and yeah. you, you ring in or email and say, sorry, I've just had a, an accident, mm-hmm. And it's part of the course, yeah. See you when you get better. Yeah. But because because mental health is so kind of decisive, it, it can. It's usually that first feeling on 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 the, on the for me. It's often you know when you wake up that you know what kind of day it's going to be. Almost. Yeah. So the the it hinges on that decision on that moment and how you feel. Mm. So probably the the guilt and the shame probably stems from that. Certainly, in my point of view. Yeah, because because it, it could easily easily have gone the other way. Yeah. You know. That was exactly what I was getting to. Was that. So yeah, the, exactly is the thing of is the thing of even though my, my point I was about, I feel like I should commend myself for the amount I've put in to not feel the symptoms that I feel naturally through my disorder, like which is what you know you, you could I'm sure you could say the same thing. 
But regardless of all that effort and all the therapy and all the techniques I've learned, there I want to share because I think this is important for people who might be not at the process we're in or like mm-hmm. or a lot younger than us or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. is that that guilt yeah. and that that sort of like not looking after yourself, it doesn't really go away. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something I think um, you learn to accept that it's a thing and you can deal with it that way as then you can be passively like okay this is how I feel and I'll wait for it yeah. to leave but I'm just saying the actual like working on that for that to disappear I, I, I don't I don't think it's possible to get rid of that like you know I'm not I've not taken of, any um, you know. days off work one one in a weird way one of the motivating another motivating factor for me is it's like and I've, I think I've said this on the show before when I when I reach my office and I sit down and I open that cup of uh, iced of latte, which is which is what you see in front of you here. Yeah, I've got one here. Yeah. I know that when I sit down in the chair and, and I've got that in front of me, that I'm in relaxation mode. I'm in a I'm in a good place. I can well at least I've made it. I'm not I'm not I'm not necessarily feeling the best, but I've achieved something by getting here from A to B. So it, and then it can you know it means that you have achieved something on that day despite you know you know I think you've said yourself even if you achieve the small things. You know, when you have a mental health condition, those small things that we took for granted when we were kids and we didn't yeah. have that thing, we, we value them. Yeah, them. absolutely. You know? Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. what Ricky's referring to is just like, it's, it's, just, it's, it's essentially like you, in my experience, you've come up with a percentage of what you're able to do that day. I mean, I do percentages, not necessarily, you know, not none of this is like sort of the definite thing you should do. This is just advice um, and how I deal with things is you kind really of the best way. Or you just yeah, I, well, I mean, it probably retrospectively comes out as percentages, but I just kind of go, it's more a case of, I mean, afterwards I go, okay, I can only do like 30% of what I'm capable of, but it is hard to trigger, like to figure out, sorry, what the best percentages are. All I'm meaning is when you wake up in the morning and if you've done enough work on whatever it is that you have, and then you wake up in the morning, the morning is usually a really good indication of what kind of day you're going to have. Yeah, Um, definitely. uh, With anxiety, that's very good. Yeah, and so what you find is you, what I'm sort of getting at essentially is you gauge what what amount that you what amount you can do that particular day and the problem people have which is why anxiety is exactly the problem you get or your expectation level is i need to get to what dare i say normal people do i want or how i feel normal as in i want to do the most of that day in that day like i'm not unwell but that's that's neglecting the fact that you're not feeling right so that you can't so that's usually where the angst in the in the you know batting against the wall starts happening because you want to be better like right from the outset but you're not doing anything to make yourself better because you you're not accepting you've got a problem yeah do you, you know? do that thing at the end of the day where you before you before you nod off you, you, you yeah i i yeah you look you're on the day and what yeah and yeah 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 like you look retrospectively yeah, yeah absolutely because <clears throat> and that's such that makes you know when people say you should give yourself a break in a mental health sense that's exactly what yeah. it is is that yeah just to basically so uh, the example like if i felt really really rotten and the example i give about sleeping m- then 
fortunately I have a partner I had a partner you know which I, I commend greatly who just went I'll take care of everything you do what you need to do and in that situation it's what I needed what I needed is to sleep yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what I needed was to sleep I just went and I really because she could tell I was struggling because I kept trying to get up and do stuff and I just was like wandering and I was like really struggling to focus and then so that was what she, so she just went you know you take a break you're probably run down you have done a lot and that's good reinforcement it's you know she's got some good input because people usually yeah. do that you say normal people yeah. whatever normal is it's yeah. something they do like yearly maybe like at the start of the year what do they want to achieve yeah. at the end of the year they look back on what's happened but for me, it's it's a very daily thing, and mm. it's, it's it's that's what that's my this what you know my my thing. Yep, my good point. I also I operate. Yeah, I also think as well that by the the byproduct effect of that, which I think is fascinating, as I think our guest is here now. Um, I'll just finish my thought while you like let her in because Lynn's here, so we're going to take a break in a second. But to finish my thought, all I want to say is that um, that's the the key the key point about um, mental health is that it, it helps you focus um, and seize the day, seize each day because mental health you want to kind of go down a, uh, you want to get go down like like Ricky was saying like to another to, like one year later or whatever it is. Whereas respect, I was just saying while you were gone is that um, the good thing about looking at it per day is that it helps you be involved in the moment. Because mental health wants you to go like you know days later and go I'm a failure as in like you know my life is in you, like till the day you die you're just going to be a failure. Whereas if you focus on that's just how you're feeling today, it helps you look at things retrospectively in I a think wider sense. For me, sense. It, it goes back to the um, <clears throat> the again another default sort of uh, mo- motivating factor is like well tomorrow's a new day. Yes. So if I if I at least go to bed at night thinking well today hasn't been great, then tomorrow perchance it could be better. So. You know, Do you also say to yourself though that it might not? Yeah, yeah, and I'm always, I always have that in mind. Yeah, it could easily not. Because I think, I think it's finding the right it's balance. Because some people luck, get, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but some people get very like again, it's it's making sure your expectations are grounded because. <laughs> You know, it's good to be positive. It's good you're positive. I would never tell you not to be <coughs> that way. But it's also just make sure on the back of your mind, though. But if it hasn't ended, yeah. I, I think this with bipolar disorder because for me, it can last a week or five days. You know, so it's like I, I'm mid- aware that I, like I might middle, not be better than I little. Yeah, but look, you don't know <laughs> yeah. what you're gonna find. Yeah. You know, it might be great. But like that's good because at least it shows that you've got some sort of willpower. Can I ask and you a personal question? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just very quickly. Just so, on, minute, as you so. as you with the whole preparation thing, yes. Have you had any, had any advice regarding, you know, dovetailing the, the bipolar side and, like, fatherhood? Have you had, like, expert advice from the NHS? <laughs> like, you know, that you know it's funny. Yeah. Um, we might need more time to talk about this. Okay. Um, but the health visitor came mm-hmm. uh, during the last time we've been on air, and she she was quite... Um, well, I imagine your partner would have had that, you know, the psychological aspect, but I always wonder, what, what, does, the, does the father... They actually to? asked me some quite serious questions about it when I told them that I had it, okay. and that's something I think we should discuss when we've got a little bit more time, because yeah. um, we need to take a break now. Okay. But that's a very good question, and I actually think I was quite appalled at how Sledgehammer they were with the questions. I guess that's the tease, and we'll talk about it later in the show. So remind me that I need yeah, to do yeah. that, because... Um, yeah, the health visitor for the baby, because they come into your house, 
asked me if there was anything I needed to say, and I said that I had that, and then she said, I thought grilled me a little unfairly. We discussed mental health. But yeah, we'll discuss yeah. it later. Yeah. Okay. But um, so what we're going to do now is take a break because Lynn is very patiently waiting. Who's our guest who's just arrived? Um, she is the young service manager from um, Children's Northeast. Um, but what we're going to do now is play Cult of Personality. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of that. Um, Nothing. Um, <laughs> Cult of per- No, it's the song Cult Not of Personality. Song. Yeah, Cult of Personality. I can't remember who it's by. It doesn't actually say. It, it just says Cult of Personality. So, might come to me. Um, but we're going to play that, and then we're going to. Um, well, actually, we're going to play some ads first, and then we're going to play Cult of Personality, and then it's we'll as be good right as the back. first song. Then, then um, play away. <laughs> <laughs> as, as good as the first song. Well, I, I didn't know Gangsters Paradise. Yeah. Though. Oh yeah, by James Morrison. Yeah, he did it as like a, a in, in an interview or something. So um, I managed to find the I managed to find the the audio. Oh, anyway, right. So we're going to play some ads now, and then we're going to play um, Cult of Personality, and then we'll be back with Lane live in the studio right here on Mentally Sound on Spice FM ninety eight point eight FM. For the community, by the community. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Kashmir Orphans Relief Trust Aisha ki awaaz Aapko pata hai main court mein rehti hu jo 2005 ke result se leke baad ye team aur besahara bachon ke Same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM.
Yeah, so that was In Living Colour by Cult of Personality. Oh, Living Colour, sorry, not Living Colour. In Living Colour is a, a film, I think, actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, Living Colour, Cult of Personality. It's a very, very famous song. Um, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was I was humming it on the way here, and so I thought, I'll, I'll find it and play it. So um, I'm, I really hope you enjoy that. And welcome back to um, Metley Sound here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. As I mentioned earlier on, if you want to contact us, you can do so at, at geek underscore apocalypse. Uh, for me, well, that's my that's my private one, at Vivid Ricky for Ricky, um, but if you want to tweet the show, because I've got that on the uh, database on right Instagram, now. Uh, so yeah, check at, out yeah, that as well. Mentally yeah. Sound on Facebook, on Instagram, and at underscore Mentally Sound yeah. on Twitter, which I've got up now. So if you've got any questions for our guest or, or for us throughout the show, we're at till 2 o'clock. Um, feel free to tweet away. Um, but yeah, the context before we get to talk to our lovely guest, Lynn, is, um, yeah, so if you listened to us two weeks ago, we did a lot about World Health Day, um, which we went to Central Library, is that what it's called? Yeah, Central Library, um, where we talked to a number of different people, and we talked to particularly a girl named Louise. Leslie. Leslie, Leslie sorry, I was getting that wrong. Like, <laughs> Leslie, that's it, yes. Um, who, was she with somebody else? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but... Um, but we'll go, we'll go with it. <laughs> we'll go with it. So I get it right. And yeah, so um, I had a chat, with, lovely chat with her, and we've actually had children's northeast on before, mm-hmm. um, which is um, obviously a good thing. So we wanted to get them on the show, and we wanted to talk to them at the event. But unfortunately, they, we didn't have time to do that. But luckily, Lynn is here from children's northeast to talk to us now. Hello, Lynn. Hi. Mm-hmm. Hi, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking the time as well, obviously, because it's a random time at 12.30, but are you on your lunch break right now? Yeah, <laughs> okay, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, well, please please have food after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to ruin it, we don't want to ruin your day. It's still a week, technically, aren't Yeah, yeah, it's technically, quite a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, to, just to fill you in, I had a pasta before this, and I he's know. just spending his time going, it smells so nice. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I've got some ready-made soup when I get back. Oh, oh that's a lovely <laughs> pizza next door. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Just my look. I know, yeah, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just torturing Ricky during the show. <laughs> He's like, oh, the smells. Anyway, I said before, if my stomach grumbles during the show, I'll, yeah. I'll apologise now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just I'm struggling for food, yeah. Anyway, so um, I guess to set the ball rolling, Lynn, yeah. so can you describe to us what it, your job entails? Yeah, um, so I'm uh, Lynn Rennick. I'm the service manager for our young people's service within Children okay. North East. And I will just check that because it is Children North East rather than Children's. Oh, is that um, what so I said? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, I apologise. Yeah, fine, but <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, yeah. I get, get the name right and get yeah, the opportunity right. So, yeah, yeah okay. so it's Children North East. Um, so we are a regional children's charity. Um, I've been involved with the charity for probably about 15 years now. Wow. And, um, I actually started as a volunteer and um, then became a project worker and kind of w- worked my way up. So really proud of everything I've achieved. And now I uh, work um, as the Young People Service Manager and feel really privileged mm-hmm. to... Um, be doing that role. Mm-hmm. Do you have a background in mentoring? Is that right? Yeah, we, yeah. So, so I actually <coughs> got interested in mentoring. Um, actually, when I was working for the civil service many mm-hmm. years ago, and mm-hmm. I used to mentor young people who. Um, basically were struggling and not quite achieving their full potential um, mm-hmm. when they were coming up to the GCSEs mm-hmm. um, and did a bit of work with that and quite often actually what was really interesting is that was the reason why the schools referred them into that program it was like a business education program yeah. but actually the reason was often because of mental health issues that All they right. were actually struggling and um, maybe lack of friendships um, just you know, not really enjoying school at all. Well, you just answered my next question, away because yeah. I was going to ask: is me- was mental health much of that reason? As you saw that, you know, the absolutely. Yeah. So, what what particular areas? I mean, are we talking, you know, being bullied or, or, or things yeah, like that? Yeah, I or? think so. Um, but uh, yeah, it's probably a lot of. Um, so, a lot of the young people on that particular program had experienced bullying through school. Mm-hmm. 
but I think they just weren't the most confident. So I think okay. a lot of like um, low confidence, low self esteem. So actually ending up quite isolated in the home. Probably things going on in the home. Yeah, yeah. I think just yeah, you know, sort of just then problems escalating. So sometimes mm-hmm. as well, maybe not the most supportive um, family mm-hmm. backgrounds as yeah. well and family environment. So yeah. I think you know, for young people who are going through all of those different transitions, and, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure put mm-hmm. on them in in that sort of year coming up to the exams. Yeah. And if they don't have the support at home, they just often don't have anyone to talk mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. So although we used to talk a lot about education and about planning and setting up exam timetables and revision mm-hmm. timetables and things like that, mm-hmm. a lot of the time it was just that listening ear and providing yeah. that listening ear. I think that really helped with their issues. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised because I think in a way that I often feel that in your teens, especially when you come up to those crucial exam times, it yeah. often dovetails yeah. with the most crucial time of growing up. You Absolutely. Know. And it's about balancing everything. Yeah. I know I struggled. Yeah. And I think, Steve, you struggled as well. You've talked about mm-hmm. it a few yeah, times. Definitely. So, yeah, definitely. So how would you go about helping that way? In yeah, way? so, what do you so the way I want, we, we have a mentoring um, service in Newcastle um, called YouthLink, and that's a yeah. young people's mentoring service. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. And, and most of the issues are around mental health, mm-hmm. certainly social, isol- um, so- social isolation, should I say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it is about getting them out and about in the community, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, we train and recruit young volunteers between the age of 17 to 25 and they are fully inducted and um, they have a full full training program mm-hmm. um, they provide us with references and DBS checks so there's a lot of safety goes on mm-hmm. in relation to recruiting those young young people mm-hmm. and then they actually um, would then work with a young person mm-hmm. normally once a week for two mm-hmm. to three hours um, and they would just meet up with them maybe for a drink but it might also be to link them into an activity maybe like the gym or mm-hmm. go to a Zumba class mm-hmm. just trying to um, help them live um, a less isolated life and while doing that um, using an activity but actually talking through so a lot of things like it. extracurricular activities and yeah. that sort of thing so it's nearly always after school yeah. um, or a Saturday morning that's normally when our mentoring works um, uh, and yeah they just have um, I'm guessing as well fun together as well actually yeah it? like especially in the West End when you know we know what it's like around yeah. here the cuts that we've suffered Absolutely. So the lack of youth clubs, so there's no outlet for them. So no. I think it's great that, that mm-hmm. you guys kind of provide. And that. what's really nice is that we also have um, a range of different drop-ins through through our mm-hmm. centre, on, mm-hmm. on, which is the West End Youth Inquiry Service on the mm-hmm. West Road, mm-hmm. and. Um, the met through the mentoring actually we often link them into our own services as well mm-hmm. so then they can get additional support if needed so it just provides a bit more mm-hmm. holistic provision yeah. for them really mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And, and then they can just learn to be a young person again and yeah. you know have a bit of space to chill out and relax and um and like I say have, have fun you know yeah, that's the whole yeah, thing yeah, it yeah. really is just to try and get them to enjoy mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. enjoy life a bit better do you I have um, once on you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you have an age range at all yeah so the young people who we support um tend to be between the age of 11 to 18 on the mentoring program okay um but our we also have a counseling support um for young people and that runs from age nine okay. um and that's across newcastle and gateshead and then Brilliant. we also work with um young victims of crime across the actual uh, um the police crime northumbria force yeah. area yeah okay so a, cool. a little bit extra work beyond that as yeah. well mm-hmm. So, um, but the counselling's from nine. Um, a lot of the time with the younger children, um, we sometimes see them in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have counselling rooms in our building, um, which we we use as well. So oh. our um, counselling service is available from sort of nine on the morning till eight o'clock at night, and also a Saturday mm-hmm. um, from around about nine thirty till um, two. Mm-hmm. On a Saturday, so schools are actually local schools actually signposting towards your, yes. your work. Yes. I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because in, in, certainly in my day, there was never anything like no. that. There was yeah, no you're preempting my thought process yeah. here when I'm, I'm sitting listening to this, and it's a wonderful discussion. And 
I find myself because I'm 30, Ricky's a little bit older, and and like I'm finding myself like you know across the, all generations is that you know because I have bipolar disorder yeah. and 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 I at the I mean at the beginning of round about the ages that you you help, yeah. I was really struggling. Um, you know, it was probably you know I probably had a byproduct of because my parents were divorcing around that yeah. time, um, and I didn't know where to turn in that mm-hmm. regard. So I mean, I guess it's kind of a and also I'm interested because you said that you've been involved with this organisation mm-hmm. for about 15 years so I'm just wondering because it's nice that schools are signposting but I guess I guess if I was playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. are schools doing enough and yeah. um, th- I guess that's the real yeah. elephant in the room question yeah. I want to ask you is do you think during the process of you working with your organisation do you think it's gotten better and what else needs to be done mm-hmm. I think it is getting better and I think obviously you've got the government green paper around children young people's mm-hmm. emotional wellbeing and mental health um, that schools really need to take um, notice of and yes. implement and make changes so mm-hmm. I think over the next sort of year, I think it'll be really exciting because I yeah. think they will they'll be um, have to do more. Mm-hmm. But we've we've done a lot of work with schools, especially in Newcastle and Gateshead area. Over the last few years, we have a um, an emotional wellbeing program that we deliver for schools called BU, and it's all about Brilliant. being yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's around um, we we work with like, groups of children who are struggling in schools. So again, mm-hmm. it's, it is schools identifying that, and mm-hmm. I think I think they are much more aware now. And we also get approached to deliver sort of teacher training as well mm-hmm. around um, how they might deal better with mental health yeah. so I think it's it's dead easy to sort of be critical of schools but actually yeah. you know they've got their own um, targets to achieve and they've got their own agendas and actually they always I think they do want to act in the best interest yeah. but they don't always have the skills yeah. to be able to do that yeah. and I think you're right it's um you know, probably going back sort of 15, 20 years ago, um, there would have been none of that provision. So mm-hmm. I think we're all learning together Great. and it's all a journey together. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. new programme works really well and that works from like age eight. Mm-hmm. So it is getting in really early well, and it looks at mm-hmm. sort of what is a positive friendship, what's a negative mm-hmm. friendship, what uh, all around self-image mm-hmm. as well because there's a lot of pressure, I think, to, you know, on young people to be looking perfect. But actually, what is perfect? Mm-hmm. So... You know, yeah. it is around helping them just understand themselves more. And I think going back to the point when I first came and first arrived, that you're saying the pressure we can put on ourselves to be yeah, about self care, about yeah. self care, mm. and be performing at the utmost all mm. the time is. I think that we're all almost enemies. I really. think like that's got nothing to do with school. It's a good <coughs> yeah. point. That's a good point because I think um, the pressure is because I was talking about I'm, I'm going to be a father soon, mm-hmm. and I, I I find myself thinking about that as I'm waiting for the baby to, to come yeah. here is to go. I think the pressure that we put on as a society be where you're like always be on top of things always be good and the next segment we're about to play is about playing board games uh, and and procrastinating and how and like how um, planned procrastinating mm-hmm. I think is essential to a yeah. person's well-being yeah. mm-hmm. um, and we, we talked to a, a game designer uh, about about how he thinks that should be embedded mm-hmm. in schools and it's not so much about telling them the, the hums and ahs of life but just letting them have fun and work it out mm-hmm. as opposed to just constantly be like the expectations yeah, is what I think we need to work on um, so I think that's a powerful point what's really um, interesting with our, with our counselling support I think we were, we were in such a um, privileged position really I think working for a charity and, and, yeah. and working in the voluntary sector that we have much more flexibility so it's a lot less clinical so we'll do a lot of that playing games yeah. while yeah. we're talking so you know we get the Jenga out or play Cluedo <laughs> uh, you know that yeah. we've got a whole range of different activities that we use to mm-hmm. make it feel less um, you know clinical I suppose yeah. um, you know, words, and, yeah. and that just like helps the young people feel a bit more relaxed and to yeah. open up 
um, and to explore the feelings in a bit more uh, in, a, in a safe environment. Yeah, because I think it just goes from one extreme to another, doesn't it? Because if somebody has like a, an issue and they're a little bit overwhelmed yes. by that, then they th- then if you you know like I guess like a, a paper or something or yeah. some devil's advocate person would go, well, now you just go into the other extreme where you're not letting you're not like focusing yeah. them on what the problem is, but they don't realise like being abstract thinking is actually yeah. kind of very good for yeah. you have to be in the right frame of mind to deal with something. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm just seeing which is the segment we'll play in a, in a, in a minute is the because um, I sort of touch on it in my own life where basically. Um, gaming for me helps me just dissect things yeah. and to not get stressed out about a situation yes. and then I can leave it for like an hour yeah. and then come back to it with a fresh perspective Absolutely. and and I think that's really really key so um, just because we need to wrap things up now so where can people find all your information and whatnot? Yeah. you have an online presence yeah um, so um, they can come go to our website which is www.children-ne.org.uk or they can ring our young people service which is 0191 great um, also in regards to schools like if they're in the new Castle Gates that area, can they ask their school um, yes. like for yeah. information as well? Yeah, I mean we do have um, you know good connections with the schools. So yeah. I'm sure if they did speak to their schools around, I'm it, assuming they and they know. said that they were you know were wanting to get in touch with children northeast. I mean even if you get, put us in Google and, and yeah. you know set it away, of course, yeah. the website comes up straight away straight and, the, and just get yeah. in touch. And very quickly, I have something yeah, called yeah. the mix. Which is like a like a is that a social media thing or is it the like mi- an online thing? The mix thing? is actually like um, an online resource, right? Um, for young people, so um, it it is um. So for a lot of kids, that could be like a first yeah, step before actually yeah. come to see a person. Yeah, it is. Okay, um, right. I mean, I haven't got the web address tan, but yes, if you just Google okay. the mix again, they've, they've got like a range of different things. There's also in Newcastle and Gateshead at the moment um an online um platform called Cooth which okay. is K-O-O-T-H okay. and um, that's also um, mental health support self-help mm-hmm. guides are on there and everything um, and they can also get access to like an online counsellor Brilliant. so um, you cool. know when we've got like a lot of children on our wait list at the moment because mm-hmm. capacity is always an issue yeah. I think yeah. especially in the field of mental health yeah. Yeah. but while um, you know they are on the, wi- on the wait list we always promote those, those mm-hmm. organisations mm-hmm. because they can sort of get some information off there for themselves Great. yeah because the waiting game is yeah. always the hard absolutely. part yeah mm-hmm. absolutely Liam it's been lovely talking to you um, I, yeah, and um, uh, Children's Last East is always nice to us because Jeremy wasn't it who was on last time yeah. and uh, he, it, that was really an interesting conversation I still remember it quite well so uh, good luck with everything and Thank I mean you. obviously keep up the good work because he's been around forever and I'm yeah. just really pleased to hear that as an yeah. expecting father yeah. mental health is always like yeah. I'm constantly going like you know what's going to be the best for my child and it's really pleasing to know there's people like yeah. you around so that's well, excellent only talk, I've only talked um, really about the Young People Service because that's yes. what you kind of invited me oh, of course yeah but, but um, obviously we've also got our um, you know family and parenting in our new pay yes. service there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you ever need us, <laughs> exactly. Information's all on your website. Well, you're literally, you're literally well, just so. down the road, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you're welcome back then. Thank in that you. case, yeah. Great. Thank Thanks you. very much, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you. Great. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. But what I'm going to do is play the section that I talked about. Um, so, this is with Lawrence O'Brien, who runs a company called Wooten Games, um, and the whole idea and process about this. Um, is to talk about how gaming and procrastinating in a in a planned sense can be really good um, uh, and I, I think it's an important discussion to make because um, I do think it, it, the byproduct is, is gaming kind of gets a bad rap as well because people think that it's you know not doesn't have any good consequences or good or good things and you know uh, mental health invo- affects everybody and um, so the first question I asked Lawrence which we're about to play now is do does he think mental health um, is helped by playing board games and this was his response I do and, and I'll tell you for why right and, and I think you're, you're you, you perfectly named it with you know procrastination but 
people, the, you, you then, you know, you rallied with the whole statement around, you know, people, that has, sometimes has negative con- con- connotations. I mean, the, the difficult thing, I think, with, with issues around mental health, you know, people saying, you know, well, you just, just get over it, just get on with it, just get around it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's not actually how it works. Mm-hmm. And that's not how people work. And I think what happens in, for me in my life, you, there are moments where you ultimately get overwhelmed. Yes. Right? You get decision fatigue yep. because there's such a lot going on. You get whole fuzziness in my head. I just get the, oh, you know what? If anyone asks me anything else, I just, I don't care. Yeah. Right? What do you want for dinner? I don't mind. Where should we go? Your choice. Because <laughs> honestly, I, there's nothing left in yes. me to, to be out making these decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, sometimes... The escape, you know, at the moment I'm escaping into PUBG with my boy. Uh, oh, I love that game. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm up to crown three now, he says to both. Oh, cool. um, but he's on ace, so I'm quite quiet with him. <laughs> but I am fully aware that playing that game or playing any of the board games is not going to resolve me doing the company accounts. Yes. Right? It's not. Absolutely. There's not a direct relationship in, in a logical statement that playing more than nine rounds is going to do my VAT return. Yeah. The difference being is before I play more than nine rounds uh, or any other game, choose a game of your own, Race of the Galaxy, Space Alert, or Carcassonne, mm-hmm. uh, before you play that, you're like, in your mind with a million things. Yeah. <laughs> there's a million things going on in your head. Now, there isn't a million things, but there's, there's one, two, three lots, right? And yeah. once you get past three, there's just lots. Of things, yeah. Right? So there's lots of things going in your head. And you're like, I cannot concentrate on anything. And you can stop being lucid, right? You literally lose yourself. This is my own experience. I can literally lose myself and, and, and push myself into a panic attack. Yeah. Right? So to be able to go, all right, hang about. Let's play a quick game of whatever. Yeah. Sit down with mates, right? People um, who you are comfortable in the... Uh, company of, or, you know, like-minded people, other gamers, we're all like each other in some way because we play board games, right? Yeah. So we have a commonality. To be able to sit down in a group of those people and not worry about anything except whether your camel wins yes, or whether you get enough wood yeah. or whatever it is gives you a piece to order yourself, to gather yourself, so at the end of it, to be able to go, okay, all right, what do I need to do first? Mm-hmm. And then you can go back to getting, you know, on with life. Now, that may be one game, that may be ten games, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert. But for me, there comes a line where I've played games enough that now I feel I want to get on with something, whereas beforehand I just wanted to take the chair and smash it into some other furniture. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you, you go from that to, all right, let me simply get all the expenses together and, you, and you're chipping away at the task. Then you're back on, on, on task. That doesn't mean you can't just have it, you know, you don't have to only play games to cope with something. No, no. You can play games because you enjoy the company of the people you're with. Yes. You just enjoy the game, right? You yeah. could be playing... Uh, a solo board games, you know, yeah. the, the, the whole uh, guys and, and gals out there who play solo board games, which is fine, right? And that gives you a moment to say, right, I am spending my time with me doing something I like. And then yeah. you're investing in yourself. 
And that's not a bad thing either. Because right? yeah. lots of things to take. Will that help in, in, in mental health? Surely, interaction with other people or private time in your, with yourself, doing something that you enjoy that, that is not malicious, I suppose, or to yourself, you know, it's surely got to add to it. Yeah. It's got to build on you. You're adding to yourself. So it's got, it's got to have, it's got to be somewhere. Because it's not threatening, you know, yep. it's, it's, it, you can pick the complexity of the game. Yep. It can be really something easy. Mm-hmm. And you're just going, 45 minutes later, oh, you know what, I simply enjoyed that. Now, for some people, they can sit down, they can read a book and come away from a good novel and just go, oh, it's really good, I enjoyed that. Yep. Had a cup of tea while you were doing it, centre yourself and, 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 you know, get back on the, the great wheel of life. Not that you ever get off, you just pull over for a moment. So, yeah. you know, we've all been driving when there's someone behind you, like, rum, 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 driving up the back of your car, rum, rum, really keen. And you're like, really, <laughs> mate? You are in that much of a hurry for an accident. Allow me to... Uh, and in my, when I was younger, I'm just stamp the brakes on. Let's see how you, you know, you deal with a close quarter back of my car. Um, now, nowadays... Uh, none of those resulted in accidents. I had. Yeah, they did involve a lot of waving and not using all my fingers. Um, but nowadays, I simply pull over because I'm not going to accept the stress of that situation. I'm yeah. just going to give it up and let someone. And being able to do that in board games, you know, as you say with PUBG, you know, when you when you get the chicken dinner <laughs> at the end of a round, and literally you're emotionally invested sufficiently to actually shout out loud. Yeah. When you're in the middle of the action, you finish the round, you take out the last person, and you're like, yes! yes! It's almost in that you're releasing yourself of a whole load of stress and tension. Yeah, and you can it's go, nice and open. Oh, that was great. Yeah, it's right, nice. right, it's nice. And, and you can choose at that moment, and I've done it loads of times, you finally win a game, right? Sometimes it's longer than other times. Yeah. And you just go, oh, great, I'm going to have a cup of tea and get on with something. Yeah. And that something will be the thing that you dreaded 45 hour and a half ago yeah. you know oh my god I can't possibly face that yep. and, and, and if that is part of your own mental health which I guess it is, it is. you know then then I think that's the space for gaming yep. it's, it's the yep. space for gaming because gaming requires people and people require people and they need time and they need time out and stuff like that I think it's, it's a perfect opportunity and I know that there's people in the industry who have recovered from much darker situations yeah. by being able to invest time in, in board games. And, and, you know, I know in my life there's been times with board games and video games where, quite frankly, it was going to be a very dark day, but in the end it wasn't because, yeah. you know, we finally landed on that planet, we finally cleared away the Saxons, yeah. we finally, you know, stuff that other people will just look at and go, well, you paid the blame of life, so what? You know, you got to university, you didn't get to university, you did or didn't have kids. It's like... Yeah, but you know what? I got to do something I wanted to do in my time when I wanted to do it, and I was happy. Yeah. yeah. And, then and if at the end of it, you're happier, whatever happier means, you know, calmer or whatever, mm-hmm. then surely that's part of the solution. I then asked Lawrence about gaming and the importance of procrastinating. Sometimes you just have to do that. And, and, and it doesn't have to be because other people, you know, you will get people going, yeah, but games take time. Yeah, but you know what? For me, I have all my old A5 Traveller books. And there are sometimes I just reorder my books, yes. just get them out, look at them, put them back in, just set aside a little bit of time, knowing just because I simply enjoy yeah. they're there, 
and that they're the fact of them. I don't have to flick and read and stuff like that. <laughs> I may just put it back and just go, right. And all you've done is you've, you've pulled the side of the road and let whatever idiot stress is behind you go past. Yes. You'll catch them up. Mm-hmm. That guaranteed, if you, you drive and you let that idiot go by, no. you'll catch them up at the next satellite. They'll not make more than a car length, your own car length. I mean, that's how I stopped rushing across London because of a tootly old blue Skoda <laughs> who I passed oh, God. five times on the Marlebin Road. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm driving close to reckless, stressing myself out, and every time that flipping blue Skoda turned up and that person did not give a toss. And they were in no hurry whatsoever. And every single time they caught up with me. And it was on that day I just went, oh, no bloody point then. Why take the risk? Why yeah. stress about it? I'm not, if I'm not beating that person, I'm not even beating myself. And finally, I asked Lawrence about the importance of board games in school to help with mental health. There should be more games in school. School yeah. should be fun, right? And, and there's people out there going, you're joking, I hated school. <laughs> and there was loads of bits in school I hated. Um, but actually, if it had more gaming in it, you know, we're going to sit down and look at operands. Oh, God, really? <laughs> no. We're going to play City of Zombies. Hooray! Let's play City of Zombies. Roll dice, numbers on zombies, use any operand against the numbers, make the numbers on the zombie card, <laughs> shoot the zombie. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of that lesson, sorry, sorry, at the end of that game, you go, wow, that was fun. Yeah, and you've just spent all that time using operands. Oh, if I have two squared and then divide it by that number, then I get the number. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So you're using the tool set. That I'm, you know, the math teacher trying to teach you, but you're playing a game. Mm-hmm. Right? And at the end of it, you take away the skills they want, but you didn't study it. You did, but you didn't. You had fun. You were playing games. So why can't why can't you have more like that? Oh, we're going to do creative writing. Okay, well let's get our Rory story cubes. Right? We're going to roll these dice and we're going to write because you know the blank piece of piece of paper is most people hate. Right? Here's a blank piece of paper, Steve. Tell me in five hundred words what's the buttery flavourness of a croissant. Right? Now I've given you a lead-in, so you've got something to start with. But if I said is a blank piece of paper write something that's funny, I'll be back in 45 minutes. It's like, some people, that apps, they'll be not terrified, they'll be frozen with fear because, okay, you just roll the dice and away you go. Oh, okay, so it's key, tortoise, lightning bolt. Oh, you see, what happened was, that can be fun. Yeah, Yeah, so it should be more like that. I have to say I couldn't agree with Lawrence more and you can find more information about Lawrence's company, Wooten Games, at wootengames.co.uk and if you liked the samples that I've just played for on this show, you can listen to that full unedited podcast on Geek Apocalypse, which you can find on iTunes or any other podcast provider. That is Geek Apocalypse. We're going to take a break right now on Mentally Sound, then we're going to be back live in the studio right after this. Sick of the same old radio sound? <sighs> then you need Vibrant Radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. The new food sensation in Newcastle has landed. Food Monkey. Mouth-watering curries. 
delicious kebabs and grill, and all your favorite Indian street food, including our infamous masala chai. So whether it's lunch, a cheeky tea time snack, or dinner, it's all about Food Monkey. Food Monkey, Stanhope Street, next to Hutchinson's Fruit and Veg. Search us out on social media, or log on at foodmonkeyuk.com. The Glasses Factory has arrived on West Road in Newcastle. To celebrate the opening of our new flagship store, the Glasses Factory are offering free eye tests, plus a £5 voucher for each eye test conducted. The Glasses Factory are always here to help. We have multilingual assistants in Punjabi and Urdu, and also both male and female attendants. See for yourself. The Glasses Factory, 498 Westgate Road, Newcastle. Call 0191 273 8460. Log on at Glasses factory.co.uk or search us out on Facebook. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Hello everybody, 
Welcome back to Mentally Sound right here at Spice FM 98.8 FM and it just feels like today's show has absolutely flown by oh, I'm really yeah. in a really good way obviously I think that's, that's usually a good sign yeah, though, that, usually, yeah. that usually means we're doing something right <laughs> uh, but we'll let you be the judge um, but yeah as we mentioned in the first hour obviously one back to Mentally Sound um, I'm Stephen my host Ricky is with me and we've got a, 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 a really really um, fun guest waiting for us at Waiting in the Wings I'm excited to talk to Joe about, um, about his um, play um, but first of all um, I just want to let people know if you do have any um, questions for our guest or for us um, the tweets are at underscore mentally sound I have um, Twitter up uh, waiting in the wings so if there's anything you want to ask feel free um, unfortunately the thing we're about to talk about is sold out apparently but uh, <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not going to be an interesting you can discussion. always queue for returns <laughs> yes we'll go there so yeah um, uh, anything I need to mention Ricky before we get um, not at all let's get going awesome yeah because you're excited you're excited for this aren't you I yeah. Am, yeah. Um, so Joe Juggles is here um, so I'll just do a little bit of an introduction um, he's the director of Clear White Light which is currently at the live theatre well it's in its first week I, I believe um, and it's the sort of gothic story um, set about the NHS based around Alan Hull's time working at St Nick's is what I've got in my notes that was so the inspiration for yes. it yeah yeah cool so Joe thanks for coming on thanks very much um, I'm super excited to talk about this because I was talking to Joe before we started I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a nerd for like theatre and because I've been fortunate enough to be in some production I help with some production so um, I'll ask probably the nerdy stuff and Ricky can be the Ricky can be the in between uh, he'll, he'll keep it that's how we operate yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he windles down my nerdiness uh, <laughs> and he's like stick to point Stephen uh, okay, so anyway, well, so first of all, um, can you describe us Clear White Light um, and, you know, and how it all started? So it's a, it's been a project that has been in development for oof, eight, nine years. Wow. wow Max Roberts, the previous artistic director, who is now our artistic director emeritus, we're still working out what that word means. <laughs> but, uh, basically, it just means that he's an amazing director who's been with the company for about 30 years yep. and uh, been involved with the company even before that. He moved to Newcastle in the 1970s, right at the height of Lindisfarne's kind of fame. He went yep. to all the Christmas concerts at City Halls, all of that, mm-hmm. and he's just a massive, massive fan, first and foremost. And so he always wanted to do a show with their music. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started talking to Ray Laidlaw, the drummer from Lindisfarne, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So they were, spent a while looking for the right kind of idea, the right vehicle, uh, and they found, uh, and he, he worked, Max worked with a writer called Paul Syrett who's uh, he's been Olivier Award nominated. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, had a, he had a West End smash hit with a, a play uh, from Theatre Royal Stratford East in London, all about um, the Windrush generation coming over. Wow, okay. He, he's a brilliant, brilliant man and a brilliant writer, and uh, and also a massive Lindisfarne mm-hmm. fan as well. Oh, okay. And so when they found that out, we get it spent. He, we Max commissioned Paul, mm-hmm. uh, and they went through a couple of different ideas for stories. They tried stuff out, it didn't quite work, and that's the thing with our live theatre. All our plays are new. They take a long time to get right, you know. They take a long time. If you're going to make it good, you want to take the time to make it good. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's been through about five years of kind of development and readings, and they eventually settled on this story about specifically about mental health actually, and about Saint set at Saint Nick's. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the inspiration for it was Alan Hull's time. Okay. Because he worked as mm-hmm. a a kind of nursing assistant or a psychiatric nurse, I think it was even back then, uh, in the late 60s, just before Lindisfarne. This was in a, a band that he was in pre-Lindisfarne, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he's just, be, just before Lindisfarne formed, he was working, because he wasn't making his full living from music himself, at that point, yeah. to support himself, he yeah. got a job working at St. Nicholas's Hospital in Gosforth. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it, was, it had a really profound effect on him, mm-hmm. I think, personally. I think Alan Hull was, he was 
so ahead of his time in the way he talked about mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, some of the quotes that we've kind of been reading and the kind of research for this are just extraordinary. And it, it, that all kind of made it, that sort of seemed to therefore suggest St. Nick's as a setting for the story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, Paul, being a big fan of the music, went through the songs and back and forth. Even actually, since we started rehearsals, we changed one around, actually. We took one song out and put uh, Dinky mm-hmm. Dell in instead. And it's, do you know what I mean? That's, that just shows you how kind of to the wire we take it in terms of making well, it. Well, that was one of my better. questions, because how did, in terms of research, did, did Alan keep diaries or did what was any written documents of his experiences yeah, there are some and did he express them in songs it? Well, absolutely maybe? I mean there was a, apparently there's a very kind of creative period for him in around that kind of late 60s period mm. when he was working at St Nick's where he would where he wrote some of the songs right uh, and I think it, may, it might even have been Clear White Light that he wrote okay. there okay. or whilst he was working there right. uh, I spoke to a, who, I can't remember who it was but someone came in and said they they, they, they were in the flat uh, with his uh, with his wife and he came home and he wrote it and he sang this song mm. and it's it, and when you listen to the lyrics mm. that, that you can see why they were so so kind of pertinent uh, to him and to this story mm-hmm. um so yeah so but our, but our story the story that Paul's decided to set it is more contemporary it's mm-hmm. set in 2015 mm-hmm. it's set sort of three years ago mm-hmm. uh Jeremy Hunt Hunt yeah. was the, uh, <laughs> was, was the uh, secretary, and uh, at the time, some of the references to that, which date it it's quite specifically, yeah, yeah. and uh, and it's about uh, Ali. So it's, it's the story of Alison, who is a, a student mental health nurse. We, we we kind of presume she's from Northumbria University because there's a big nursing course there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, we never say that. We never say that. And uh, she's she's getting ready to go into the ward for her first night shift on an all male ward, mm-hmm. and she's obviously very nervous. And uh, she meets Rod, who is charged with looking after her. He's he's the staff nurse there, and uh, that's and he gives her some patients to look after. And it's about how it's about her night shift mm-hmm. and what happens to her mm-hmm. on that night shift. Mm-hmm. And the sort of plot, if you like, follows quite closely um, the, the, an Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. short story, The Fall of the House mm-hmm. of Usher. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's little references. Those people who are Edgar Allan Poe fans will kind of get a lot of those mm-hmm. references we've kind of added extra references in kind of aesthetically in terms of the design mm-hmm. um, so the, a one <coughs> reference in one of the costumes to a ra- to the raven Edgar Allan Poe's poem and things yeah. like that yeah. so uh, just just trying to make it feel kind of all make it all kind of come together as best it can Lou know? Reed did something similar with his music he, he sort of looked back at Edgar Allan Poe and, and, yeah. and, and sort of retold it but I mean I in terms of Lindisfarne, because uh, one of my favorite radio, radio DJs is a guy called Mike Kelly. He used to be on Century. He was a huge Lindisfarne fan. Mm. Unfortunately, I only got introduced to the music when, when Alan Hunt pa- passed away. Mm. In fact, I actually work on Adelaide Terrace now where I understand where he was born wow, in the West End. Amazing. So I feel a bit of a kind of a connection there. Yeah. But I, I think it's amazing that the band have chosen mental health as a vehicle to showcase mm. their music. So it's, it's partly it's, it's there to... So a new generation of fans can be introduced to their music. I assume that's one of the that's ends as well. Absolutely the case, yeah. and that was and that was an idea that Max Roberts had. Actually, he says mm-hmm. one of the one of the big points for me was though just before we started casting, he was like, you know what, Joe, we need to get the music in the hands of young people. Yeah. And so uh, and so we kind of we played around with it, but we've got Billy Mitchell who mm-hmm. wasn't an original band member but yeah. was in the band latterly yeah. and kind of in and out of it and around about it and Ray Laidlaw who mm-hmm. is the original drummer 
and they're both they're kind of like our musical directors and they perform in it as well Billy's a cracking actor he's amazing right. and, wow. uh, and so he, he, he's got a, he's got a part in it as well as uh, singing and playing mm-hmm. and then the music's all played live and mm-hmm. the, the other musicians uh, who play the music are all young actor musicians mm-hmm. oh cool which is fantastic so yeah. it's, and it's that physical thing about seeing seeing kind of the younger people playing this extraordinary music mm-hmm. it, it, it sort of it sort of reconfigures the music if you like for a new generation is the hope you know mm-hmm. and I've been amazed with the audiences who've come on Saturday night it was there's a whole table next to us of just like lads and lads and a couple of women in their 20s the diverse uh, oh and I was like it's not it, yeah it's not the kind yeah. of just the people who, who loved them the first time yeah. round. Mm-hmm. it made me realise just how well loved because I'm new to the region I've only been here six months yeah okay uh, when this was proposed I knew Fog on the Tyne and not much more you know <laughs> and it's, and, but, so I've, I've had to discover the music and really get into it and it's just I, I just these songs the songs that Paul's chosen to kind of put put to this story are just fantastic. I don't feel Alan Hull gets the credit he deserves I think he's one, one been our, you know not just regionally but one of the country's best songwriters Absolutely. I think um, you know, uh, you know. I, I obviously have a feel, a bit of affiliation, but I f- still feel. I think if if a new generation of fan, uh, you know, could potentially lock onto their their music mm-hmm. and their legacy, I think would be fantastic credit to play as well. And talking about mental health in in in, in a new way, destigmatized way, which is what we do on this show. That's so that was part of the the criteria. I'm, I'm assuming. Absolutely, you wanted every, to every play that I want to put on that stage mm-hmm. has to in some way look at a, a, a kind of social or political mm-hmm. issue which is difficult to understand in other other areas or yeah. maybe hasn't got light shone on it. Yep. That's the one thing that I think theatre can really do. We And live yeah. theatre has got a really proud, mm-hmm. nearly 50-year-long history of working people's voices yeah. on the stage mm-hmm. and audiences seeing themselves. Yeah. And, we've had, and what that's been the most gratifying thing with this play is having mental health nurses, having people who have used the services in the region yeah. and come up to us and say, you've got it right. And that's like... More than anything, that's been really, really, mm-hmm. really important to us. Yeah, because I mean that that that's I mean it's it's probably an obvious question to ask you, Joe. But I mean, like, um, we do you know because we uh, just before you came here, we played a, a section about gaming and how um, and g- how gaming can be a good procrastinator to just your general well-being and because you know, everyone has mental health issues mm-hmm. in the sense of everyone has mental health mm-hmm. and the pressures and stresses of the, of the of the world. But do you do you actually think? I mean, you've sort of said this already, but do you think? The reason that I guess maybe maybe I'll, I'll phrase it a different way the 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 fact that like plays or songs or games or or, or or like entertainment basically the entertainment world that surrounds us all the time um has a more powerful way of distributing something as serious as mental health as, and and talking about it and have an open discussion because it's underpinned with the oeuvre of entertainment. Do you think that's Absolutely. a valid point? Yeah. Discuss difficult things playfully. Yes, you know, and I think that's the that's what we can do. That's what a play can do. And the yeah. thing about a play, which is different from all those other mm-hmm. mediums, you you have real people in front of you, singing or performing or telling yeah. a story or, or or playing out a situation. And when you when you have it, it that's personal. That's about connection. Mm-hmm. Games are brilliant, and I love games. But they, they, it, that they're, you are staring at the screen. Insulated, yeah. You're insulated. You're yeah. right. It's an individualized. Usually, though, you might be playing with other people. Yeah. But you're receiving it in an individual way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, when you receive something communally, mm-hmm. which you do in the theatre, you get a very different kind of experience. And mm-hmm. so much of mental health is. 
I think about not feeling alone. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I love theatre. Is you go to theatre and you don't. Yeah, I I mean, I think as well. I mean, the the sort of subplot to that. I think that's the reason comedians are now, you know, using theatres because um, it's this idea of. I think it's the perfect balance of, and I think plays do the same thing. But I think comedians that you just made me think of this. Like comedians have the the advantage of you can take a joke in an individual sense, but you have the collectiveness of everybody laughing at the same time. Laughter is healing. Yeah. It's the Bill Hicks thing. He always yeah. said that. I go for the healing laugh. Yeah. It's so important. To yeah, one yeah. of my heroes. Oh, <laughs> big time, mate. Big time. Yeah. I used to have, um, just a like, little bonding session going on here, <laughs> but um, I used to have um, a Bill Hicks sticker on my old computer. Um, I loved Bill Hicks. I yeah. thought he was amazing. So. Yeah, retrospectively, so, retrospectively a little bit more homophobic than I kind of thought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, no one ahead of his time, yeah. a bit like Alan in Absolutely. a way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what uh, response have you had from Alan's family, and uh, have you had any response? To well, a little bit. I mean, I haven't spoken to them personally. I've been told that I think mm. his daughter maybe came to see it. To be honest. Mm. It, we, we've had to make the show w- uh, with Ray. Ray was one of his considered Alan one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. He's the person that I kind of see as the kind of mm. kind of keeper of the torch in that regard, yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. making sure that it's true to true to what mm-hmm. he thinks Alan would have would have wanted. Yeah, I just think it's a, a fantastic. I mean, I, in a way, I kind of see it in my ha- in my head as pulls apart. But from seeing all clips of Linda Spawn on the old Grey Whistle test, you know, cause I think they were Bob Smith's um, favourite band who wow. appeared on his show. To, 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 see, to see that then, and, and, you know, playing Fog in the Time wearing their black and white shirts, to, to more modern setting now where they're using mental health as a vehicle to, to take their songs into a new era. I just think that it's so amazing, and I can't thank you guys enough for well, doing that. Well, it's an incredible testament to the music, above yeah, all else, and absolutely. to Alan Hall. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, they're all his songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do with our production, which, which again is slightly different, is I think for the first time in a kind of major way, they're all sung by a woman. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Charlie Hardwick, who many, many listeners might know from Emmerdale, yeah. uh, she's, uh, she's come back to live theatre for the first time in, oh gosh, 12 years, something like that. She's, she's been at live many times over over the years yeah. but not for not for a while mm-hmm. and she wanted to come back for this one for lots of personal reasons because yeah. you know Dingley Dell was like the first album she bought mm-hmm. again she was at all those gigs that Max went to yeah you know she the music means so much to her she came in she, she did audition <laughs> you have to audition <laughs> you have to be fair and make sure everyone's got a fair crack of the whip but she came in and she and she just sang the songs and she, but she she practically knew most of the lyrics anyway because she's just lived with them for so yeah. long and you, re- you really yeah. feel that in her performance yeah mm-hmm. how much it means to her to be singing these songs mm-hmm. you know in public it's, it's amazing really mm-hmm. yeah which is why it's it's imperative whenever you do any entertainment stuff that it actually has like an underpinning purpose mm-hmm. because you know we talk about this for example i guess another like another sort of another nerdy um another nerdy reference but like like comic book characters have to have some sort of human human quality Absolutely. otherwise that you don't you, it's empathy Definitely. you you know if, if they don't seem real um and obviously mental health is you know one of the most realist subjects you can talk about yeah. um it can be very powerful in an in, in an entertainment sense yeah. um i'm just curious about because with the fact that we are based in the northeast and the fact that you're in, you, you've only been here a while and yeah. um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is because you know we we want to make sure we're fair to, in statistics as well and unfortunately it's not very kind in the northeast yeah, for statistics no. for mental health i mean no. suicide's the highest yeah. it's been in quite some time yeah. um for example and we did a segment about that and i'm just curious to ask you about just because obviously as people here you're a man yourself yeah um is to talk about the process of doing this play yeah. in relation to mental health and maybe how it makes you maybe retrospectively look at it 
in your own well, personal sense absolutely. and in relation to the area because obviously you know it's, it's a profound area subject it's, matter it's, it's yeah. I mean, it was, I've got to be honest it was a quite a difficult for me personally rehearsal yeah. process I suffer with various mental health things in okay. my own, I have done I've been, I had counselling I have been on antidepressants at points mm-hmm. and um, to have to, to, be, to kind of go to tell this story you do have to kind of be quite introspective at times and kind of really get into the kind of the nub of it and there's something quite uh, amazing, actually, about kind of coming through that. Because mm. you kind of, as an artist, you want to, uh, you have to go to those places sometimes to, to be able to kind of show the truth. Yeah, you know exactly. And it's yeah. like you can, it's, it's that, but it, but so and that's that's what's gratifying when it does get received properly. Because you, yeah, because mm-hmm. you sort of beat yourself up about it. Mm-hmm. It's my first show for the company. No one in the region's ever seen my work before. Do you know what I mean? You, you to do it to sometimes in this role, particularly moving to a new place with a young family, trying to get settled. It's been difficult, you know, mentally, from and and actually to kind of come through that process to kind of really go to some of those places. Just it feels fantastic now. Yeah, just a bit more about your background then, because you say you've only been in this role for six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is my first time as a as a full artistic yeah. director. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, I was at Dundee Rep. So okay. I've made my most of my career. I've been in Scotland, right, uh, as a director, mm-hmm. and I was at Dundee Rep as the associate artistic mm-hmm. director. So mm-hmm. I was a kind of like stopgap artistic director, right. if, you, if you see yeah. what I mean, yeah. and uh, and so. I've been based based in Scotland. Worked all over all over there. Done lots of kids shows, family shows, lots of new work. I've directed a lot for for Player Pine a Pint. Who've been down to live a few times over the yeah. years, and they they do a new play every week. Done any Edinburgh Festival shows? I've there? done I've done yeah I've, I've won well, yeah I've won four Fringe First Awards the Edinburgh oh, Festival over the last six years. Yeah, Good for you. Uh, which is I've done kind of we had we had well one done. last year which was good, which went well. So it's, and mm-hmm. they've all been for Fringe First. There's got to be a new play. Mm-hmm. So that's and that's what live do. So mm-hmm. I think that's yeah one of the reasons why mm-hmm. they want me to come because right, yeah. it's like uh, uh, new plays are what I truly love. You know. Yeah. I love yeah. being able to kind of show something for the first time to an audience and yeah. let's all see what this is like you know what yeah. was your first reaction coming here and you've seen the venue and because we, we've just had a chat about how great the venue is yeah. what was oh, blown away I mean yeah. Yeah, that's the thing it sort of existed in my imagination before before I came yeah. it's not your typical yeah. th- you there's know, no th- theatre like it yeah. there's not, there's not yeah. a theatre in the country yeah. that will kind of have the production values mm-hmm. of that, that theatre for the, the amount of audience who are in the room because you, you're usually talking what 150, 160 people, but they're getting the they're getting production values that you you you'll get at the Theatre Royal and any any kind of like big big. Certainly has a unique ambience, a unique acoustics. The table, well, yeah. the acoustics, but also the tables. Like for me, I just love the tables in our kind of cabaret <laughs> section we call it, and like right. the fact that you can sit and watch a new play and sit at a table with a pint. Like the, that for me, that's one of the main reasons of what it's going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you receive you receive the play totally differently. You're not yeah. sitting in a kind of. I mean, the theatre seats are there, and they're very very comfortable if you want them. Yeah. But like to be able to have that mixture of both, mm-hmm. that's totally unique. In yeah. In in the British theatre, certainly. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a modern theatre, but also it also respects what the theatre is meant to be in terms of what you appreciate. It respects the heritage. Yeah. It yeah. respects. It, yeah. it, it feels like somewhere between a theatre and a social club at times. Yeah. So that's how it should exactly, feel, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's yeah. that's right. You know, that's what it, how it should be. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you in a director sense because yeah. I mean, obviously, you've been the director of the show, and um, as as I mentioned, I've unfortunately been involved just in a, in a small sense, but I've worked on some television productions before, and I'm just curious about the track, like the 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 comparisons. It, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I know there's obvious ones, but I guess I'm just curious. This is kind of a personal question for me, really. <laughs> um, but I'm just curious in the sense of because 
I look at that, my brain's thinking, you know, because you have, like, the audience are just set in one area, and you have such a small area to deal with, obviously, I mean, I know there's, like, props and everything else that you can use to do that, but I'm just, from a directing sense as well, it's not a case of you, you're like, you know, you're trying to not camera block or anything like that, you're trying to essentially not get in the way of each other for the audience, because there's only one one area you can, they can face, so I'm just curious as to about, like, you know, learning that process and just the challenges yeah, in relation to what you were doing. Craft, I guess, yeah, is, is exactly. Yeah, the stagecraft. How do you kind of, yeah, move move bodies through the kind of on the, through the stage and the space to tell the story? And yeah, it's, it's one that Max has helped me a lot with. You know, okay. we've had lots of conversations. It's very unusual. The kind of stage is almost in the corner of the room. Okay, which you don't mm. often. That's very unusual. Yeah. So, it, and so you usually say stage left, stage right, and yeah. you can only enter yeah. really unless you we're clever with your design, <coughs> which is what you have to be most of the time. You, you can't actually enter from stage right in our theatre. Yeah, so for me as a director, that <laughs> I, that's, again, you kind of it makes you work harder. Yeah, it means that you have to kind of really think about making every inch of that stage count mm-hmm. and that that that's so exciting as it's Imagine it's a stimulating challenge I'm oh, yeah. it really is it really is yeah. and trying to get trying, trying to get the space right and right. trying to make sure that you kind of you, you're able to kind of create a a, 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 a set that can house all of the things that a story mm-hmm. needs to I mean yeah. it's all set at St Nick's but it I mean it goes from a kind of ward to a kind of external setting yeah to a um to yeah to people's rooms you know so it's you've got to kind of work out ways of making it work i mean one one thing from a design perspective we came up with actually our brilliant designer neil warmington who's a designer i've worked with a lot in scotland mm-hmm. and i kind of brought him down to work with him on this mm-hmm. he he came up with the idea of a lift all right so if you okay. read the script there's no reference to a lift <laughs> but if you come and see the play you'd be like ah, what there's no lift neil came up with it he had a he's weird he had a dream he says and he's like how am i gonna do this have a good he's like a lift because a lift gives you suspense yeah you never know what's going to come through it you know yeah so you get so you get these little light buttons it's like oh god who's going through oh it's nurse it's fine you know and it's like and it's and it's and, and it's really clever kind of when he came up with that it was like wow okay great that may, helped me sort of start to see how we can tell the other parts of the story, mm. you know, because mm. we've kind of got, yeah, you've got three entrances and you work out the best. And even on press night on Tuesday, I mean, the actors were like, oh, but I changed, changed the staging of one of the scenes because I was just, I wasn't, it wasn't using the space in the right way. Yeah. And and we needed to change it. So we changed it. And it's that, yeah. and we'll probably change it. There might be bits that we change. Sorry, guys. Might be bits that we change as we go, you know. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. So it's. You can kind of, in, in certain situations, I mean, yeah, they can, you can prep as much as you want, but really, it's only when you start doing it that you can certain, sometimes realise that, the, 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 oh, this hasn't quite worked. You and, never know and, what you know. you've got on your hands until an audience is yeah. sitting there. Because an, yeah. an audience, especially at life, they, they won't mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. Just as a side question, Joe, um, going back to the venue. So we've had guests come onto this show where from various different venues who are looking at, at the audiences as well and being inclusive. So, for example, we've had some James's Park, the, the football club, they're now building sort of like sensory rooms mm. for, for for people with autism and that Very sort good. of thing. Do you know anything that the live theatre are doing in that in that sort of area? Do oh, absolutely. Know? Well, we do in terms of our. Um, it depends on the show, I would yeah, say to you. Yeah. I mean, most of, we don't do an awful lot of kind of work for uh, families or kind of younger people, which mm-hmm. is historically where I've seen more kind of like relaxed performances mm-hmm. uh, being shown. It's something that I think we should look at, and yeah. specifically just in terms of uh, yeah, autistic audience members or people on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of we've got a signed performance and a kind of uh, audio described performance and a captioned uh, performance okay. that happens over the next couple of weeks. We do yeah. that for every one of our productions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm talk- yeah, I was talking to someone yesterday about the sign performance we got coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just to make to make them as inclusive as possible and as and, and as yeah. 
And, yeah, we, and it's something yeah. we talk about constantly in terms of our tickets, ticketing, in terms of our pricing. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing we did recently for artists, for theatre artists, in, in uh, the particularly theatre artists, but it's artists more widely, I would suggest, is mm-hmm. our freelancers discount. Right. So, you can, so you're entitled to a concession price if you're if you're a freelancer, and that's something that I, having been a kind of yeah, sort of struggling artist quite a lot myself over the last sort of 15 years until kind of coming here really and kind of actually having a salary for the first time. We've all been there, yeah. You know, you kind of like very, feel very, very privileged for mm-hmm. that when you want to sort of work out ways. And the only way you get better as an artist is if you, if you see work and you mm-hmm. can respond to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so, it, so it's things like that that I'm constantly trying to, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation always Great. that we're having. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a good way to wrap things up, yeah. I guess. The, um, the only thing left for me to say is I think this is kind of a good uh, like uh, last minute transition is I guess what, what does the feature in for yourself and, and live and the live theatre. I guess just on that, you can quickly mention the. Pl- oh the yeah, well, I'm hoping to come back and talk to you guys in the, uh, yeah over the next few months because uh, we've got a brilliant play coming up called Approaching Empty uh, by Ishi Din, and uh, that's uh, that's going to be a great show. It's a co-production uh, between Live Theatre, Kiln Theatre in North London, mm-hmm. and Tamasha, who are uh, the foremost touring uh, work for kind of work of Asian uh-huh. origin, and. Uh, so we've got a, an Asian writer, Asian director, all Asian mm-hmm. cast, and it's mm-hmm. set in a cab firm. And it's this really brilliant kind of like, a bit like Arthur Miller, or kind of like, it's this sort of really intense, Ooh. very funny kind of brooding drama. And it about kind of, it gets a bit gangstery at points. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's, re- it's really fun, but it's all set in a minicab office. Right. And it's about this kind of sort that, of how, yeah. how the kind of yeah. how these kind of guys kind of pull it back and forth, and, and, and it has a very kind of men's well. theme about it and how we interact and sort of. I like guess it does. Yeah, I think there's I think there's five characters and one's a woman, uh, and the the female character has had to kind of yeah adopt what, what air quotes now masculine kind of traits. I guess if you like that sense of yeah. had to kind of yeah to to kind of get on with life and actually deal with the reality, the of economic reality of life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is. It's about how men. Yeah, absolutely. It's about how men communicate and and how they how they kind of yeah, push each other. Well, we wish you success in both these plays. They just sound amazing. Yeah, really so in terms of Clear White Light, is it sold out completely? Um, it, it sold out before we opened, actually. Yeah. yeah. The demand's been that strong. I think there's lots, I think it, obviously Linda's Farm play a huge, and Alan Hall's fans play a huge part of that. Yeah. But I think there's also, the we've had a lot of NHS workers come, particularly mental Good. health mm-hmm. workers. Uh, we've had a lot of people who have, have come because the the gothic thing, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. And so it's that sense of, you know, it, it ticks a lot of boxes for different yeah. groups yeah. of people. That's something I'm thinking about quite a lot going forward in terms of our programming. Mm-hmm. Great. Do so you think you might, because I mean, you were talking to us, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you were talking about maybe you might bring the play back well, at some when point. You, when the demand's this strong, you kind of yeah. sort of automatically have to start thinking about that, to be honest. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, we're, 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 I'm beginning to think about that, I guess. Yeah. But you, you, don't, you never want to jinx something, you just need to make something in the first instance yeah. and then see what but nice to know if people have heard about it now and listening exactly. to this now that exactly. the, the potential know, could be that they come back come back and because um, it sounds fa- it sounds fascinating and it's been it a does. great pleasure talking to you um yeah and i'm um, life yeah as ricky says i mean i know that i hit would you say it's your favorite theory here oh it's definitely says so yeah i think so i mean you, you mentioned it quite often yeah. so and i and i i'm totally on board with you with you both is that um live theater is um is it is it it's it, it's very powerful when you're there, and, and as you as you quite eligently said, it's it's the whole about um, seeing the experience, not only just with the person you're with, but you're with other people, like watching something happening as it's happening, and in in um, yeah, it sounds like a very very good place. So congratulations! Thank you. Well, if all the hard work. Know, we're down at the quayside. 
we're on Broad Chair, just round the just round yeah, the yeah. corner from the Big Time Bridge. So yes, yeah. come and see. So us. go and have a look. Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Joe, so much. Thank much you. Appreciated. Um, right. So what we're going to do now is place the mads because we're at the half past uh, half past mark now, and then we've got a phone interview with Mark, who's a stand-up comedian, talking about his uh, stage work from Blackpool. Um, but um, so we'll be back with him right after these messages. For the community, by the community. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Welcome to your community announcement answer machine. To broadcast your community announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Kashmir Orphans Relief Trust Aisha Ki Awaaz Aapko pata hai, mein court mein rehti hoon Jo 2005 ke zelzale ke baad Yatim aur besahara bachchun ke liye Aap sab ne binaya Yahaan mein pati hoon, khelti hoon Court mein mere gaiz ke baad Ab baayin ke liye hostel ban raha hai Ramzani Mubarik ne Apni zikaat, sadkaat aur atiyaar ke liye Sif court ka naam yaad rakhi Court, UK office 0300 123 Court.org.uk same old radio sound <sighs> then you need vibrant radio spice up your life spice fm 98.8 fm Graveyard smash. They play the match. It's caught on in a flash. They play the match. 
made the monster mad. Out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seemed she was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. It's now a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, tracks a part of the band. And my monster mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them Boris said. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. The monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on with a flash. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. Petuous young boy. Mash Johnny Nash there with Rock Me Baby and then before that was um, Monster Munch 
Monster Mash. Oh, Monster Mash. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was having Monster Munch, Ricky. <laughs> the, the, the crisps, chunky crisps. Are I'm just trying to get free advertising. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I'm trying to get... Is that especially, <laughs> especially for Halloween, that was? It was, yeah. And it's one of my partner's favourite songs. Okay. Um, and I just found it. I just found it on the database and thought she was singing along to this uh, a couple of days ago in the morning on, on um, Alexa. Um, which is funny as well. I'm wondering, I've always wondered this. If you say Alexa on radio, does it make anyone listening to this? Does Alexa go off because the, the, I'm wondering if that's a thing. Um, maybe we should try that one time. But anyway, but um, but yeah, welcome back to Mentally Sound here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. It's been a fantastic show so far. Thank you so much to Joe and to Lynn uh, so far for our guests because it's been a jam-packed show as always, and also to Lawrence O'Brien who was our pre-record, which was all about board game and gaming. And the show's not over in terms of guests as well. Um, we're probably going to run out of uh, time for mental health news as per usual, but we'll see how this goes. So. But on the line now, standing by very nicely, is Mark Newsom, um, who is a one-man one stand-up performer. Um, we unfortunately can't say the name of it because it has a swear word in. So what, I've, what we've agreed is we're going to say, what a beep place to die, uh, is the name of his stage retelling of Mark's real-life suicide attempt at Blackpool Beach, which was saved by a phone call from one of his best friends, which um, I think is uh, powerful in itself. But we'll let Mark explain this to you now. He joins us on the line. Hello, Mark. Hello there, you alright? I'm good, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Thanks Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to talk to us, because obviously it's a, it's a very powerful um, description, as we just said, and we obviously want to talk to you about the, the story behind that and whatnot, which we'll get to, because on this show we've talked about many a, a, a suicide is, is, a, is a big thing that we've talked about here um, um, Killed by My Debt we had the the, um, the mother from for Jerome uh, Tracy uh, on the show talking about the BBC3 programme so I guess like um, to get the ball rolling Mark if you if as comfortable as you want to talk about is just to tell us about you know why did you want to in a nutshell um, talk about that experience in, the, in that format well it I've wanted to write a one-man show for a, for a long time, really. Mm-hmm. Um, once I graduated from drama school, uh, I was sort of you know, struggling, sort of bagging jobs and things like that, and yeah. my self-esteem was so low. Yeah. So when I was going into auditions, I was just totally bricking it and then just losing the job, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I was quite ill last year with depression and my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going out and... Um, drinking and, you know, doing drugs and things like that to yep. basically numb the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought people will approach me and they said, Mark, you, you're a great actor. Why don't you write something about your own experiences? I said, well, I'm not a writer, really. And that's where the writer came, came in, uh, Phil Pearson. Mm-hmm. And he's a journalist and writer based in Manchester and he saw yep. me the show. And he said, um, I want to write you something. Wow. And then just snowballed from there, essentially. Basically, yeah, it all happened in uh, Oldham Cafe in January. Wow. I mean, did you have any, I guess the obvious question to ask you is, did you have any sort of reservations about doing that? Because obviously when when somebody does something so close to your heart, or or, or mind in this case, um, you know, it, it, it was it a very difficult decision? Did it? Did you feel apprehensive about it? And what was your, what was your feelings? Not really, no. Wow. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good to be honest. <laughs> I'm quite an open book, really. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very honest. Mm-hmm. And it's something quite nice about just being that honest. Yeah. And uh, not hiding behind anything, just 
talking about it and helping people. Yeah. Yeah, the the truth the truth of something essentially. And yeah, people seem quite brave, but I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, we we don't actually kind of believe, and I'm not. I I'm with you on that, and I don't think necessarily. Um, we get say we say some people on our sh- about our show and, and me and Ricky talking about things is that it's brave mm. to talk about things, and I, I get uncomfortable with that because I think it's just essentially telling the truth. Mm. Um, exactly. Yeah. You're right, Mark. It's Ricky here. How are you doing? Hello there, Ricky. Yeah, thanks. Right, thanks for agreeing to do this. Uh, just from our sort of very short Twitter chat. Um, you mentioned um, your, the sort of low self-esteem and stuff as a background. So you, you grew up in Oldham, right? So describe I what did, yeah. describe what in the, you know in a nutshell what childhood was like. Oh, childhood was fine, um, mm-hmm. especially with my family. I've got such supportive parents. Mm-hmm. It was more sort of at school, mm-hmm. which I didn't know at that time. I had autism. I had a form of autism called Asperger's syndrome, yeah. which which makes. Um, me quite socially awkward and uh, making mm-hmm. friends and things like that is quite difficult mm-hmm. and I didn't obviously know at that time that I was gay so I was sort of dealing with that as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Um, so school was very very difficult I was always on my own uh, I felt very lonely yeah yeah uh, but when I once I got into acting I, and I I realized that I was good at it that's not have saved me in a way Mm-hmm. So what I've read as well, and it's it's a fascinating account, um, which is why you know we were so keen to talk to you. So you, um, as you said, when you came out, you were a, you were a student at the time, and and obviously mm-hmm. your your university friends were you know comfortable with it, and yeah. and you had apprehensions with your family, but you found out that you know you mentioned your, your family were supportive, so but they found out in a way that wasn't perhaps the, the chosen way that they wanted to find out because it was a very mm-hmm. kind of brief conversation in a supermarket, am I right in that? And then, was that, was that so in a sense a trigger to, because despite you feeling comfortable, you, you might have, you might have initially felt that sort of relief that you, your family know and, you know, they were comfortable with it, but things still weren't all right in the background, you were still kind of struggling, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I was considering how to tell them, mm-hmm. you know, people at drama school was like, why don't you write them a letter, yeah. why don't you do this, why don't you do that? Mm-hmm. And I go to write a letter because I, uh, there was no way that I could sort of say it to them really. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was uh, in an environment where people are so open, and mm-hmm. it was great at drama school. I loved it. But in Oldham, it's completely different. And even though my parents are not homophobic, mm-hmm. it was still I wasn't comfortable with being gay myself. Mm-hmm. So actually telling them mm-hmm. was another different story, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so describe. So, I, mean, yeah, I mean, sorry, go on. My self-esteem was just just so low. I think I've had that all throughout my life. You know, just yeah. thinking that I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I don't fit in. Mm. So craving acceptance. Yeah. I sort of led my depression, age 28, I think, and it's hit me quite hard. Mm. So that yeah. the day in question, then, um, I, I believe. I mean, because we talked about, haven't we, Steve, about when we kind of randomly go missing. Uh, you 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 were just so, you you just saw like a was it a train to Blackpool and you saw immediately mm. thought right I'm going to get on there and yeah. sort of one story led you know one thing led to another where you ended up in the beach and you and you sort of took your shoes and socks off and you weren't planning to return so um, you received a phone call from your mum asking mm. you to come back but you ignored her plea but it was your 
best friend and if he's all right being named here is your friend will rang you yep. is that right so what was yep. it what was it about his choice of words which which made you kind of you know decide to do a, a 180 and return back um the anonymous will <laughs> we'll right. about that now yeah <laughs> everyone knows who he is but we don't <laughs> um he's my best mate well and he's so he's such a diamond he's an absolutely amazing person yeah. and what that day in blackpool it, it was so hazy i felt incredibly lonely incredibly uh, sad mm-hmm. you know um, and I couldn't see a way out of it really mm-hmm. and that's when I thought you know what I've had enough I'm, I'm going to do this so I took off my clothes and I went into the sea mm-hmm. and I put, on, I put a message on Facebook yeah. because I was so open about my mental health anyway mm-hmm. um, people started getting back to me and, uh, and saying Mark what are you doing please ring me mm-hmm. And these are people that I've not spoke to for like six years, but all of a sudden they were reaching out, but they didn't really mean anything to me, really. Mm-hmm. And then my mate Will rang me, mm-hmm. and he said, Mark, what are you doing? I said, I'm in Blackpool. He said, why are you in Blackpool? I said, I'm, well, I'm, in, I'm, I'm up to my knees in the seat. And he said, what? You know, and he started going mad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just totally numb by that point. I couldn't really speak. Mm-hmm. And it was him that was saying... It was just him saying, if you go, Mark, I'm going to miss our conversations. And it was just that that was like, Mm. just hit me so hard. Mm. And I just cried, like, I haven't ever cried, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's where the title came from, and it just made me laugh. And I was on the phone to him for about half an hour. (laughs) And. uh, While you were knee knee deep into the water. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's that's really powerful. I mean, the the the, is, the, yeah. the the powerfulness of it is that um, it's it as you said, I, I, what can you know? Well done for you. I mean, I, I don't want to use the word courageous, but it it is in a, it is in a certain sense. But I just um, you know, I praise you for being honest and upfront and telling that story because um, that is basically an example of how someone can be in the wrath of of a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And not, rem- you know, it's almost like it's not, you're not in, you know, sort of reality for yourself. And, and it's only through, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that support is a, is a valuable thing of, of those around you to, to be a reminder that the, 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 they're there for you. And, and as you said, the key thing is that it's yeah. somebody who actually mattered to you that did it. Because um, that is sometimes it's one of the all things you about mental health, isn't it? That you, you kind of. In in the, in all that haze and brain, brain fogginess, that you don't you ignore the the amount the, you you don't realise the amount of care that's around you and the people, and then when suddenly that hand does reach mm-hmm. out to you, then it, it, it hits a you know it, mm-hmm. it hits a certain point where yeah. you think wow, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, we're we're so delighted that it came to you at that point and you're you're here to tell that story, um, but you being an introvert, um, yeah. Um, how does how does an introvert then sort of take as, as Stephen said earlier in a way, and I think you've kind of partly answered it, but you then decide to retell the story on stage. Um, yeah. How you know what are your nerves like doing that in the, in this? You, how, how many shows have you done by the way? Uh, so, so oh, so we've done we two shows in July. Mm-hmm. In and how Manchester, did how did they go down? Really well, right? Yeah, great. Really well received. Mm-hmm. So we brought it back. Uh, I think it was last week, not on the 19th, we brought it back to the same venue in Manchester. Mm-hmm. 
and then we've been asked to take it to London, so we're going to London on Monday. Brilliant. To do two shows in Camden. Right. And then we're going to bring it back to Manchester wow. <laughs> next month. So um, can you describe yeah. to us? I mean, because obviously you know you've described the real the real story, but I guess yeah. from a from a sort of theatre like a play, essentially mm-hmm. it's like a stage play. Um, how, how what exactly is the is this? I mean, obviously that's sort of the, the underpinning subject matter. But how do you go about expressing that during the time of how long the stage play is on? Like, what what is it a one man show? Is it got a you know? Can you describe to us like what it's what the creativeness of it is? Yeah, so it's a one-man show. Mm-hmm. It's just me and my own. It runs 55 minutes, and it's split into three acts. Okay. So it basically tells the story of why I'm in Blackpool, and mm-hmm. it splits between the two of, of me in Blackpool and me just speaking directly to the audience. Okay. So it, it, it goes through, it, it talks about that devastating row that I had with my family, which led mm-hmm. for me to go to Blackpool. Mm-hmm. It talks about my childhood. It talks about my granddad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it sort of builds up in Blackpool and, and reach things reach a pinnacle, mm-hmm. and that's uh, uh, the end, which is quite uh, harrowing, really. Yeah, well, I think uh, you know you, you've chosen a marvelous kind of medium to, to retell this. It ties in with a previous discussion, doesn't it, with with Joe and talking about you know theatre and, and you know when you when you think about how we talk about mental health, I think the more creative mediums the better in a way because I think mm-hmm. that in itself will help destigmatize how we um, talk about it you know mm-hmm. so it feels less yeah, shameful I hope, I hope so yeah mm-hmm. so um, so. let us be the first no should you bring the play up here to the northeast um, me and Steve will come down and yeah so where where are you going so where in London are you going what, the, what where's the place so it's at the Exeter Theatre mm-hmm. it's uh, a little small fringe theatre at um, but it's, uh, it's one of the best ones in London. Brilliant. It's called the Insector Theatre. Okay. And we're playing on Monday night. We've got 7 o'clock, which is completely sold out. Wow. But okay. we've got we've added the second show due to public demand, so we're doing a second show at 9pm. Wow. I mean, do you feel in a way like, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, one of the things that we talk about on this show a lot is that mental health issues don't, you know, we, we, we kind of ban certain phrases on this show, such as normal and, and there's a cure for these yeah. sort of things. Because, um, I mean, because obviously I'm assuming, you know, you, you continually work on, you know, how you how you feel about things and deal mm. with your depression and whatnot. But does does doing the show give you any sort of validation for that there you know does it reinforce that there you know you are a does it help your self esteem does it make you feel a little bit more worth you know feel a bit more worthwhile in yourself that kind of thing definitely mm-hmm. um, the way that I gain acceptance is by being an actor yeah because that's what I do that's that's what I'm good at um, so if I can express myself through something that I'm good at and I'm sharing my story and I'm helping people. But I'm also doing something creative, which is what I do. Then that's then that's when I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? That's when yeah. I'm happiest. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do you have any? I mean, um, does is this leading towards maybe more work um, uh, opportunities because of this show, or um, are you yeah, thinking about doing it more often? It. Yeah. Yeah, we plan to take it to uh, Edinburgh next year, Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Great. And we've been approached by a production company to win talks to try and make it into a feature film. Great. Brilliant. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it's sort of all kicking off at the minute. <laughs> in a good sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, since um, my interviews have come out on ITV and BBC, 
I've had people contact me and just saying thank you for being so open and honest and uh, you've helped me, you've, helped me. You've, you've, you've made me feel a little bit better today. Yeah. And there was actually one guy, I won't mention his name obviously, but he, mm-hmm. he, he messaged me and he said he was having a really bad day. He was contemplating suicide and he was uh, gay and autistic like me. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said, I was just on the BBC News website and I saw your article and that, that saved me. Oh, that's lovely. Just like, how do, I, how do I take that news? That, that's, that's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know. And it's and um, I mean it's you know I mean yeah the power three is like this is the reason we do a, a show like this is because we talk about our yeah. own personal experiences and have people on mm-hmm. who have been through you know some some of the most um, horrific situations and it's about making you know and you're you've done, you're doing a wonderful way of approaching this like we were talking to earlier with Joe about doing entertainment because if you do it in mm-hmm. a playful sense it makes people who maybe don't treat mental health seriously um put it on the the the, the discussion table of saying it is a real thing and um you know congratulations for yourself because i mean it must have been a difficult you know you know as someone who's been i was in a psychographic ward for a couple of months and um it was not you know and uh, you know that's the that's the last resort type place to get better and um i I know what it feels like to be in that situation so um Mm -hmm. to to reach the point where you are now where you're doing something constructive and meaningful and helpful not just for yourself um so congrats to you because i I know how difficult of a i know how difficult of a transition that is um, so I, we wish yeah, you nothing but success. <laughs> I, absolutely, I, and I, I don't. I think that's the. I'm hoping that's the power of our conversation we're having now mm-hmm. is that um, the people listening to this will go. It is a struggle, um, and it's that. But that's not that's not beating around the bush, as they say. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. telling it how it is, and I think it sounds like from what you're telling telling us as your play does exactly that. So I've been there um, myself, and, and you know, it, it wasn't a beach for me; it was a bridge, and. Uh, you know, I, I can retell in such a way. So, so I think that it. it I'm trying to say that I'm, I'm uh, meriting your artistic credits to that you're able to to do this, and, and you know, we we like everybody else. We congratulate you, Mark, and, and good oh, luck. Good you. luck. Great, and um, thank you, thank you so much, Mark. Uh, we have to go because we've got to uh, wrap up the show. But thank you so much, and uh, yeah. good luck with your show. You're that, welcome. Um, the play is called Blackpool. What a beep place to be. Um, uh, if you type in, are you available online? I'm sure. Is there some online presence you have? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah he's on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you follow him on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, what's your Twitter handle? So it's um, Blackpool, mm-hmm. and then capital letters W A S. Okay, great. So if you follow that, and um, I'm sure if you you could probably Google it and find it uh, find it out. Um, 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 but yeah, so um, yeah, good luck with everything, Mark. And we'll, sounds retweet as well. So you yeah, and uh, yes, we'll make sure we put it on our on our stuff as well, so people can find it. Oh, so thank you, thank you so much, Mark, and uh, well, pleasure to talk to you. Cheers. Take care. Yeah, you too. Cheers, Bye-bye. Great, um, fantastic. We've got literally about 30 seconds left, so all it leaves me to say is a huge thank you to our guests. Uh, that was such a powerful conversation. Uh, so to run through, thank you to Lynn Renwick from Children Northeast, to Joe Douglas from Director of Clear White Light, which hopefully is, uh, is sold out, but um, uh, hopefully you might get an opportunity to go and see it. Um, um, and Mark Newsom, who is just on now, I'm sure I hope I'm saying that right, uh, with his play we just mentioned, and to Lawrence O'Brien, who was my pre, the pre-record, um, which is Geek Apocalypse, you can listen to that full podcast if you type in Geek Apocalypse, and we'll be back in two weeks' time here on Mentally Sound on Spice FM. Um, so to play us out, it's Chuck Berry with no particular place to go, and uh, we, and because that's right us right now, but we'll see you next, next week, guys, at two weeks' time. Bye. Cheers.